Love yes. it. So what you're alluding to, Lou, is that you're taking downhill, looking at mm -hmm. the demands that it has on the body, and yes. now you're applying what we call specificity of training to yes. your strength training for running. And you're saying, you know what, because my race is a lot of downhill, I need mm -hmm. to make sure that when I am doing my squats in the gym, when I'm doing my single leg squat, I need to actually focus on doing a good eccentric contraction and control that I'm not exactly. going to go down fast and come up fast. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Before we get into this episode, if you are looking for a nutritional advantage to increase mental focus, strength, and endurance during those runs and decrease the recovery time between those hard effort sessions, you will want to check out Perform from the Amino Company. Later on in this episode, I will tell you more about Perform and how it can help you stay focused, get harder workouts in, and improve overall recovery on your journey of becoming a stronger, faster, lifelong injury-free runner, or you can check out the research for yourself at aminoco.com slash healthy runner. Are you ready to become a downhill running pro? In this episode, we will reveal expert techniques and tips to help you master the art of running downhill. Welcome to episode 216 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. I have Coach Lou back on the show from our Healthy Runner coaching team to reveal some expert techniques and tips to crush your downhill running and hopefully your race. Welcome back on the show, Lou. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here, back to see everyone. And I'm so happy to share my experience and lessons for downhill running. I'm so excited for this episode. Yeah, this is definitely one of those um, specific 
uh, things that, and, and is the reason probably we haven't focused on it in 215 episodes on the podcast yet. But this is so relevant for those that are really looking at running a fast marathon. A lot of people choose mm-hmm. uh, a course that has a net downhill or is downhill the whole the whole way through. And with you being our marathon and speed specialist on our team, I knew this was a topic that uh, you will really be able to help many in our community who are training for races like this. And before we get into downhill running, uh-huh. um, I just want you to give the listeners um, a, a little recap since our last talk which was all about long runs with spice. And uh-huh. we had this uh, chat about how we inject some pace work into our long runs. And we did a full episode on that. We were talking about you training for Chicago. Um, so why don't you update our listeners what happened after that? And then what was the, the goal race that you actually did just finish? Um, and congratulations, by the way. So yeah, let's update our audience on what your running has looked like. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Coach Lou here. I'm a run coach and um, I'm also a certified personal trainer. My goal race was Chicago, but two days before the race, I got COVID. So that was a no-go. I signed up for Houston instead. Chicago is in October and Houston is January. So three months, I kind of get back. And was pretty good. I, despite all the things, inconsistency, because I did pace a lot last year, I was able to run a really consistent race, almost even split, and end up 303. It's not my PR, but I'm pretty happy given what happens, inconsistent training cycle, and... And yeah, still a PQ time, so I'm not too worried. <laughs> too sad, not too sad. It wasn't as planned. I thought I was able to break three again, but it's still a good race, and I like love. I love it. It's super flat. It's not downhill. It's flat, but it's good. Yeah, and you just just to give uh, some people some context there. So um, Lou's talking about he didn't get a PR, but um, it was still a super impressive time considering. This guy has uh, ran a lot of marathons in the past year, uh, pacing a lot of marathons officially um, as a pacer for many races, but then unofficially with helping friends because Lou is has the huge heart, huge heart. Um, and how many marathons did you run uh, last year? This is one of the do as I say, not as I do thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did 12 marathons, but but as Dwayne mentioned in one podcast, you don't race all the marathons. In fact, all these 12 marathons I ran are not race, racing marathons. My PR was under three hours, and none of these marathons are even under three, uh, three hours, 30 minutes. So the fastest I pace is three hours and 30 minutes. And I even paced a four hour, 55 minutes marathon. So really slow. So I'm not racing all of them. And it's really, I didn't take, I didn't go for, I didn't go for PR this year either. So it's a lot of marathons, but mostly just pacing. And I enjoy it. I enjoy helping people. I help so many people achieve their goals. I'm happy. 
So that's kind of my down year. I take it easy and have fun, do a lot of marathons, but it's just slow. It's like ultra training. Right. Yeah, this, is not recommend, argue... right, this is not recommend for first-time runners. Do not right. try it at home. <laughs> yeah, and, and no, this is perfect. Uh, I love that we're giving a context because I would argue, honestly, since I've known you for the last four years probably now, um, you know, you've been really preparing your body for something for a year like this, right? Like your your base level of training and your foundation was so consistent and you had so many consistent miles Mm -hmm. and consistent running under your belt for many years that really prepared you to be able to, you know, do the amount of marathon distances in 2023, Mm -hmm. um, with staying healthy and for you to be able to run these and not race them. Um, So I think that's like perfect context, but at the same time, you're also realizing that you didn't give your individual body the full time and energy of like a full marathon training cycle that you would have liked to in order for you to get like your best time, right? In the marathon, just even though your time is incredible and like you said, you still got a BQ, um, but I think that's great context and, mm-hmm. and I think for everyone to listen out there and if you are race happy and you're just like need to sign up for a lot of marathons mm-hmm. and, or if your goal is like lewd, like, you know, be able to do all 50 States eventually, um, you know, make sure that you are doing all the things that Lou is yeah. spending, um, time at building that solid foundation, uh, that he has established over, you know, these, these couple years and he's been smart about how he's running those races too and he's not racing them so put that all in in context and you know switching gears a little bit to like downhill running you know Mm -hmm. what has your experience been with downhill races or downhill running either personally or from like a coaching standpoint for athletes that you've helped program and train and successfully be able to like crush their races that were downhill courses I have some experience on downhills. I ran three Boston marathons, and they are downhill, overall downhill, especially the first three miles. They are significant downhill. That's a lot of people who bonk because they start too fast. That's I can talk a whole day about that, starting too fast and then <laughs> bonk, and at the end, your, your legs are trashed, blah, 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 and... You can refer back to my Boston <laughs> episode, how to run Boston NPR. That's what my, yep. that's actually my PR. And but but yeah, let's focus on the downhill portion. A lot of people in Boston they go too hard in the downhill portion, and then you hit hard on mile seventeen to twenty one, a lot of hills, and then finally still downhill. So I had some experience on the Boston course, downhill course, neck downhill course. Uh, there are a few other courses that's somewhat downhill. Wine glass I did, CIM, California International Marathons, all downhill. So these are my my experience, and I'm preparing for this Revel series. It's all downhill series. Revel White Mountain in New Hampshire, that's a new one that just inaugural race this year. So these are my experiences. I Excellent. also help. 
Yeah. So just sorry, before you talk about some of those um, people that you've helped, Mm -hmm. my ears perked up when I heard wine glass because I'm going to be running that this year. So I'm going to have to pay attention to this and I'll probably have to re-listen to this episode um, when it does air on the podcast during one of my runs. Um, And Mm -hmm. the Revel series, right? They have like a bunch of different races throughout the country. Is that correct? But this is the first one that they're going to do in New Hampshire in the White Mountains. In the Northeast Almost the first one in the East Coast, actually. Oh, Everything okay. Everything else on the West Coast. Nice. All right. Perfect. And these race can be aggressive. The Rebel Big Berries has 5,000 plus feet net downhill. It's crazy. Wow. White Mountain is not that bad. 2,350 feet downhill. Okay. Yeah, so I just think of like me tumbling down a hill. Um, so it's, it's pretty steep. So really yeah, we're steep. definitely going to want to get into this. But um, yeah, what has your your experience been from like a coaching standpoint? I shout out to Rachel Buck, uh, Rachel Wood, who just who did St. George as her first marathon downhill, and our own coach Whitney ran her Mesa marathon, half marathon, downhill. Nice, and those are downhill. Okay. Yes. Cool. So, yeah, you've you've helped prepare athletes to be able to tackle downhill running Mm -hmm. um, and have a successful outcome uh, like Rachel did, and we had her on the podcast, and we shared her story actually from that race um, on the episode with you. And any any trainings, guys, we talk about that like – Coach Lou has been on the show before. I have a specific link like with his bio and all of the trainings that Lou's done. So like I said, he's been like our marathon uh, speed speed man. So like all of his trainings are like interval running, you know, how do you do track workouts? How do we add like pace work into long runs? Uh, we talk specifically about the Boston Marathon and how you can be able to conquer that course itself. Um, so I have a link that I'll put in the show notes that has all of them. So you can get all of these trainings, uh, that we're referring to. Make sure you check back <laughs> a lot of imp- interesting, important podcasts. Yeah, no, absolutely. As, as we, as we learn, we're always, uh, learning and I, I continuously learn from you, um, for sure. And, you know, that's why I just love having you on the show to share with our community, um, because you have a skill set and expertise that quite frankly, I don't, um, I hope one day to have that skill set and expertise, but you keep sure. learning too. So it's like, you know, you're always, yeah. you're always raising the bar here. Um, so guys for like today's episode, this is going to be like your ultimate guide to mastering the exhilarating like techniques of running downhill. And in this informative conversation with Coach Lou, we're going to, you know, take a little deep dive into the intricacies of running downhill. Like, how do we do it? Um, what are some of the form cues? And then we're going to really get into um, his insights and effective strategies for training that are going to really enhance your performance and most importantly, because this is the Healthy Runner podcast, minimize yeah. your risk for injuries. So That's whether you important. are running Boston um, or whether you have aspirations or dreams to run Boston one day, whether you're running a Rebel Race series uh, near you, or you just want to learn how to be more efficient, like me, basically, or 
well, I guess I could say I'm, I'm really paying attention for wine glass now. Uh, but if you want to be like more efficient for tackling the hills in your neighborhood, because I know I got some downhills in yes. order for me to get get home, I got to, you know, tackle some downhills and I want to make sure my form is good. So I don't wind up having knee pain when I do it. Um, so if that's you, any of those scenarios, this is the episode for you. Um, you know, you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So coach Lou, I guess, you know, let's start out with the basics. Like what makes downhill running unique? Okay. I just want to quickly add that I learned a lot from this podcast too. And from this podcast series too and i heard so many things and i'm happy to share my skill set and i learn from other people too okay let's go back to our uniqueness of the downhill in general running downhill is easier on the cardiovascular system but harder on the body by meaning harder on the body it's because there are higher impact on the musculoskeletal system Dwayne, you want to fill in something about Oh, that? man, he said musculoskeletal <laughs> system. So, of course, I got to jump in there. Um, so, yeah, this is this is like impact forces. So there's this thing called gravity, guys, in case you're, you're not familiar with it. But if we're running downhill, the force of gravity in our body weight is actually now smacking the ground, right? Our foot's hitting the ground. Mm-hmm. There's increased ground reaction forces that are coming up from the ground through our 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 tissues. So our long bones, our tibia, you guys hear about like tibial stress fractures, um, shin splints, um, knee pain, right? Like these are the common things that occur and stresses that the body could incur um, with downhill running because Mm -hmm. it's more load, more force to the bones as well as to the muscles. Right. Awesome. See, I'm learning something here. (laughs) The other thing for the uniqueness is the change, the change of form. Obviously, when you're running downhill, it's not the same as running on the flat. It's different from running uphill too. So when you're going downhill, it's just easier to overstride. And that will lead to more impact on the heels and knees. Just as Dwayne mentioned, gravity, right? On the flat, each step when you run it's like mini jumping and when you're going downhill the jump is harder let's say it's almost like a mini fall each step if you think about it right so like a mini fall free fall just mini so that's more impact on the heels and knees and the form will be changed right so the most common form error i guess that we do see um and i think it's probably most likely because it's instincts, right? Like if someone was, if you were to imagine, right, you're like walking down a steep downhill, Mm -hmm. naturally, your body's going to be like, I'm falling forward. So what do I do to counteract that? I lean back. And I think, you know, the first time a runner encounters like a steep downhill or any downhill, quite frankly, I think the natural reaction our bodies have learned over time is to lean back. And unfortunately, with running, when we do that, that does put our foot way out in front of our knee. And when your foot's hitting the ground out in front of our knee, that is what we call overstriding. And that is the most common running form error that has been associated with 
the common running related injuries, specifically when we're really looking at patellofemoral pain or runner's knee or IT band syndrome. Um, this is a common, common injury I see a lot in those training for the marathon on their long runs and they are in a hillier area. This is when that IT band syndrome is going to creep up is on these downhill runs. Um, yeah. And especially when they're, you know, getting those long runs up to the 14, the 16, the 18 miler. Um, this is usually when I start to see folks who have this problem. Um, right. And it is because of that kind of running form error that you speak of. Yes. the I like you mentioned that when you get the run longer and longer because the body are, are tired and you start to lose the form and it's, easier to have deviations of the form and it's easier to make some form mistake if you're not conscious so that's why we need to train and practice yeah so okay so just kind of to recap that because i mm -hmm. definitely want to go down um ways that we can think about having proper running form going downhill um but really what makes this downhill running a little bit more unique than mm -hmm. if you're running in a flat area um, and you're starting to do some downhill training is it is actually easier in our cardiovascular system. So it feels easier. We like downhills as a runner, especially if you've had to run uphill a lot and you're like, this is freaking hard, right? You see a hill that goes down you're like, Ooh, awesome. This is great. This is going to yes. feel easier. Um, so a lot of times too, I think our minds can play tricks on us where we get lazy in the mind and we think, oh, this is easy. Let me just let the hill take me. But if we're not paying attention to what we just talked about, we get into those form errors, right? So it's easier on the cardiovascular system, but it's actually more stress and force to our muscles and bones, so our musculoskeletal system. Yes. And it requires different types of muscle contractions. Um, and I guess we can kind of talk about that with how we train for that later, but mm -hmm. it does require that what we call eccentric force. So it's like a breaking force of our yes. muscles to slow us down. So we don't just like, you know, trample down the hill. Um, and then it changes our running form. So like naturally our running form does change when we go downhill. Yes. Was that a good summary there? That's great. Okay, perfect. So how do I prevent, um, some of those running form errors or like how, how do you counsel your clients who are tackling some downhill running, you know, how should they be running downhill? What are some of the tips that you kind of guide them on? Let's start with the forms. You can practice that consciously. First is forward lean. Well, definitely not leaning backwards and you're not leaning that much forward, but you are leaning a little bit forward so that just enough that your center of gravity is not behind you, behind your feet. And let's say if the heel is not really steep, essentially you are pretty straight rather than just going rather than actually leaning forward you're you're actually pretty straight just not leaning backwards so the center of gravity still goes through your feet it's just not behind your feet or 
in front of your feet. It's still like going through the feet. So the body is straight and it look it feel like you are leaning forward, but you're actually going straight. Right. So in relation to the ground, essentially, you're still, I think what you're saying Somewhat is like straight. perpendicular Somewhat, to the ground. Yes. Maybe but a little because bit Because the forward. ground is angled downward, it feels like you're leaning forward. Right. Okay. All right. Got it. And the other things that engage the core, yes, you feel like, oh, you're going downhill. It's great. But you still want to engage your core so you can have control of the form. And also relax your shoulder. Actually, the whole upper body, keep it relaxed. That will be helpful so that the gravity take you. If you're contracted, it's, it's harder to have a better form. And shorten the stride length. Yes, with a forward lean and proper, if you're not leaning backwards, usually it's less likely to overstride. But still, you want to consciously shorten the stride length and maybe increase your cadence a little bit consciously. So you are going, the turnover gets faster going down. That helps reducing the impact and that helps for the for the gravity to carry you forward. Finally, you want to just let the arm maybe make it a little wider a size by the side so that kind kind of balance the torque that you go, more extra torque you go when you go downhill. I like it. So you're kind of increasing the base of support, adding more stability and balance almost by having a little bit wider placement of your arms to... Okay. I like it. When you're going on the flat, usually we keep our arms really close to to the body. But when you go down, you can make it slightly further away. There are people saying from ultra runners, actually, when you see a proper downhill technique, it looks like they are drunk. (laughs) It doesn't look the greatest when you're going down, when you have your arms slightly extended, but that's better when, when you, you are able to carry that away. You need to just practice, keep practicing and start to feel it. Right. And yeah, I think all those tips are, are just spot on Lou. And that's why I feel like when I see a downhill now, mm-hmm. I used to in the beginning, like I said, take off, right? Where you're like, oh, this is easy. Just like go with it. But now I feel like, yes, it's easier on my cardiovascular system and maybe my heart rate might recover a little bit. It but does. my mind, I still feel like it needs to be turned on. And it's almost like more of a mind challenge to keep everything that you just said, right? So I implement it and I'm like, okay, let's turn the legs over now, increase the cadence, relax the upper body, don't tense up, let the legs just go, increase mm-hmm. your turnover rate. So yes. you're, you're just getting quick and your speed is going to increase a little bit naturally because gravity is taking you down and you're avoiding breaking. And I know for me now that I've certainly not mastered yet. I wouldn't say mastered, but as I've gotten better at running down hills, at conserving energy, I notice at like races, and I will get a little bit frustrated if you have a bunch of people in front of you who really don't know this technique, 
they will be slowing down, which can screw you up because they kind of get in your way because you know you're going to actually speed up a little bit to conserve energy and just get your legs turning over. Yes. So you're not like fighting the downhill. Um, so for me, I still feel like it's a mind challenge. So now when I see an uphill, I'm like, all right, it's a mind challenge because now it's going to be a mindset and I want to prevent myself from burning out going uphill. And mm -hmm. I, I think about the different technique changes I'm going to need to go up the hill. But then when I go downhill, it's not like the mind can just like take off and just like, oh, take a break. No, the mind is like turned on the whole time I'm going downhill because I'm still thinking about like all of those form cues. Um, I don't know. Was that like common for you? I'm sure like for you, it's probably like second nature now. But was that, do you remember this being like common for you? No, it's not second nature. It's, I'm still... There's still a lot to learn, but I really like that you you emphasize the mindset, the mental part is so important. Yes, it's important on the uphill, it's on the downhill. It can be important on the flat too, because it may feel boring. It let's say put it this way: any endurance race, the mind, the mental part is as important as the physical part, if not more. And you have to be focused. If you want to go for a good race, yes, you are happy to focus and do everything. If you if you're just going for fun, then you can chat and everything. Still don't get injured though. But mental is really important. You have to be focused if you want to go hard. Because you if not, you, you lose the sacrifice the form, you may injure yourself. So keep your focused. And right. the other thing, practice can help. When you practice a lot uphill and downhill or flat, then on the race day, you just have to be a little focused, but you don't have to think specifically, oh, I have to put my shoulder here. I have to do this and that. Maybe you want to intentionally focus on the turn over rate, but that's it. But practice will help. Yeah. Let's think more about on the race day. I love it. <laughs> First off, when you when you mentioned before about like having fun on race day, I just got a flashback to you and I actually running a New Haven Labor Day road race this year when you and I were running and we're like chatting and we're like seeing people we know. Yeah. And like, that was just so much fun. I just remember that moment and like running with you for a couple of miles and, you know, not like stressing and like having fun at the race. Um, but I think your point is so well taken on, you know, number one mindset, and it's part of the training. And that's why it's like one of our six steps to growing as a runner is yes. having the proper mindset for like that intended goal of that training run, that race, different parts of the race, uphill, mm -hmm. downhill, flat, like you said, yeah. um, how do you, if we, we get rid of boredom. Right. And this is like, Hey, I'm just going at the same, uh, elevation this whole time. Um, and, you talked about practice and this mm -hmm. is where, and you know, we're so passionate about uh, like training for races that it, it, you need to practice this all in training. So yes. yeah, let's kind of segue to like, how do we train for downhill running? So if I want to get better at it or I want to be successful on race day, like what are some tips for training um, downhill running? There are a lot of things you can do. But before we start, we talk about practice, right? It doesn't mean that you have to practice every day. That's too much. It's so much impact on your body. Consider running downhill, a training, let's say a downhill training section. Consider it as a quality section as well. 
it is a quality section. Just like you can do uphill repeat, you can do downhill repeat. Don't don't start just running downhill forever. That's too much. Just like any other quality section, you start slow. You follow a progression. You start slow, short, slow, sh- and small, like short distances, short intervals, short durations. Usually, ten second, fifteen second, thirty second, and progress from there. You definitely don't want to do that every day. Usually, just like other quality sections, once per week, and you don't even do that every week. Every few weeks, you take break and then go back to it. And just like other quality sections, you want to build up your base first. You, by base, we mean consistent mileage. So you have consistent consistent mileage on your for a couple of weeks strength training everything under your belt. Then you start do adding a little bit downhill. You don't start from the beginning do a lot of downhills. It's follow progression step by step, literally. All right. So training smart with proper progression. Yes. Right. Probably not the first time people have heard this on the show before. Not doing it every day. Um, and so you, so you're really taking no more than like one dedicated run a week where you're like, I'm going to focus on some downhill running, but you're not focusing the whole thing. <laughs> you're not, you know, finding like, I don't even know if people use map my run anymore, but like, you're not finding a course around your neighborhood. That's like all downhill where you're just going for the gusto. Like, let me run the whole thing downhill. Right. You're, you're saying, take it in, in small chunks. It's starting yes. literally at, you know, 15 seconds or, you know, doing, yeah, I guess you could do repeats, right? You can yes. literally just find a hill in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. run 15 seconds downhill, maybe walk or jog back uphill, right? Mm-hmm. And just get used to almost like how we do strides, right? Like yeah. you're just getting the body, you know, introduced to like strides, faster running. Um, we just talked about this actually um, with Carolyn Coffin, episode 213. And I loved how you mentioned before quality when you mm-hmm. use the term quality run or workout. And we talked about what that is in episode 213. But um, we also talked about strides and what mm-hmm. they are in that episode. And as you said this, it kind of reminded me of, you know, almost thinking about it as strides to introduce the body to it as opposed to just going for, hey, the whole run, the whole three miles, I'm going to do downhill or I'm going to, you know, my long run. Let me find a downhill course around my neighborhood to do my 10 miler this weekend. No, like gradually introduce gradually. it. Okay. You may get there at some point, but gradually, gradually. You, eventually, it may be part of your long run spice. Yes. <laughs> Which is I love a long, it. some speed work during the long run, usually the latter part of the long run to mimic the, the race. But that will be really close to the race specific training, the last few later in the training cycle. Let's put it, put it this way. I wanted to take a quick pause from this episode to talk about a topic that I am extremely passionate about, and that is strength training in order to run so we can improve our performance by running faster or running longer. And we can also prevent the all too common stubborn running related injuries when we do the strength training. So do you want to know how I get in my strength training, how I remain focused for my gym sessions, and how I'm able to recover after the hard marathon specific training that I've been working on? 
I've been using Amino Company's product, Perform, for over two years now as a truly healthy pre-workout as opposed to some of those crazy, highly caffeinated drinks that you're going to see out there that just give you jitters and then you wind up crashing. Perform is an essential amino acid-based formulation that I simply add to water, I throw it in my shaker bottle, and I have it 30 minutes before a run or a gym workout. It tastes great and is extremely easy on your stomach. Perform helps improve mental focus, peak strength, endurance, reduces fatigue, and increases muscle protein synthesis so you can recover faster from your runs or your strength sessions. And I'm not just saying that from like an N is one, my personal experience. I actually brought on one of the leaders in amino acid research, Dr. Robert Wolf on the show back in episode 92 of the podcast. If you want a deep dive on the effects, the literature, tune in, listen to my chat with Dr. Wolf. You'll be as impressed as I was. And I wanted to make sure that I was putting something that was actually healthy into my body. And so I checked out the real research and the science on this product. And since you are a part of our Healthy Runner community, you can save 30% off by using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to aminoco.com forward slash healthy runner. You have to use the special link I put in the show notes to get your 30% off and use the code healthy runner. Now go ahead and give perform a try. I know you're going to love it just as much as I have. Now let's get back into this episode. Perfect. So we're kind of doing it progressive doing it no more than once a week. And then mm-hmm. do we do it every single week, like leading up to our race? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, because downhill training is so, has so much impact on the body, every few weeks you want to cut it back too. You don't even have to do that every week. You can do that every other week as well. But you start progress gradually. Do that every two weeks, every week or every other week on the peak week. And then when you taper, take one or two out, maybe every other week, just to get body more recovery. Perfect. Recovery, part of the training, right? So again, it's another step in those six steps to growing as a runner. So making sure that we're not doing it every single week in a 12-week training block, 16-week training block. But mm-hmm. we're having specific weeks that are planned in, hey, I'm going to let my body recover from all this downhill you know, training that I've been introducing into my body. Okay, perfect. And you talked about like duration. How about mm-hmm. like, how do we know how much downhill or like percentage wise, or I don't even know at like races low for like the Rebel ones, did they give you like a percent grade? The they well for this white mountain you i don't have it but there's a graph you can kind of calculate it's pretty aggressive about 300 feet per mile or 200 feet per kilometer (laughs) something like that it's very aggressive for the first half marathon Okay. For 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 first for the first five miles, and similar for Boston too. The first two miles, three miles is like three hundred feet elevation drop every mile too. So it's very 
significant. But then it goes more gradual afterwards. All right. So with training wise, do you specifically have your athletes gradually think about like don't find the the steepest hill in your neighborhood? <laughs> um, so do you try to you know gradually uh, decrease or gradually increase the amount of decline uh, <laughs> that they're running? Yeah. <laughs> yes, there are different theories. Jack Daniels rec- uh, recommends something around two percent. That's really not too much. Runners were said eight percent. In when I practice on that, I usually advise my runners to stay between two to six percent. Eight percent is just too steep. I say right. two to six percent, and use that randomly. If you that if you run that on your treadmill, you can do that random hills. Sometimes you have downhills, but if not, you you can check your plan a route and find some downhill that's two to six percent. They also also it depends on the duration, right? If you're going for shorter duration, maybe six percent is fine. It's Fifteen seconds mm-hmm. as you learn going downhill. But if you're going longer, maybe you want to make make it a little more gradual. Three percent, two percent, something like that. Yeah, and this might be a stupid question, so I apologize in advance. But um, no worries. How no would someone, question. if they're if they're running in their neighborhood, how would they know like the percentage of a hill? Is there an easy way to determine that or find that out? There are many, many ways. I only know a few. If you plan a route from Garmin, it will show the the elevation gain and drop. Right, percent percentage not quite easy. <laughs> uh, you can c- kind of calculate it by looking at the percent elevation gain divided by the distance. It's, it's about okay. right. I believe Coach Cat mentioned that we have some geeky discussion about that. <laughs> you calculate, for example, fifty feet. You kind of convert that to miles how many feet to miles and then say you have one mile you have 200 feet elevation gain so you do a conversion between feet and miles and then divide the 200 to one mile right and then multiply the conversion factor you can put that into each cell so then you you just put in the elevation gain and the distance, and you will give you a, a table. So you don't have to remember the conversion factor and then do the calculation every time, especially when you're running. You're, you don't <laughs> want to do runner's math in your, when you're running hard. Right. Right. I guess, um, and you mentioned treadmill, and I understand maybe not all treadmills go downhill, but I would imagine that's a feature that's common on a lot of like the gym-based treadmills now, or no, not really? Only for the advanced ones. Okay. If you have some treadmill at home, well, do that really carefully. You can raise the base of the treadmill a little bit to make it downhill. Because it always has uphill, right? If you make it 2% downhill, you can just raise it up. So maybe if you want to flat. Mm-hmm. And that's actually Jack Daniel recommend that. But you do want to make sure you have a really, really stable base. It doesn't slide because 
when you run hard and it moves, if you raise the button, it will be there would be a safety concern. There we go. Thank you. I think you just uh, fulfilled our liability requirement for the podcast. If you're listening to this, um, we do not want you injuring yourself, falling off your treadmill, raising up your treadmill at home on an unstable surface. So make sure you are <laughs> making sure that your treadmill is stable with whatever you are propping it up with. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. And you don't, you don't want to raise it really high too. Only a little bit depending on how long your treadmill is, right? You you raise a little bit, it may end up 1% or 2%, but that's usually enough. 2%, okay. let's say, usually enough. All Just right. a little bit downhill on the treadmill. Okay, perfect. And I guess it's, it's easier, obviously, to feel like what a 1% or a 5% incline feels like on a treadmill. Like, And that's what my coach had told me when just even doing some like hill strides, right? Is because I was like, how do you figure out the percent? Um, but she was like, go on a treadmill and just see like how that feels, right? So you have a sense of how that felt, like what is a 2% versus a 5% versus a 10% feel like on a treadmill. So then when you're out there on the road, you have a kind of a sense of, you know, how much are we going to pitch our body forward a little bit um, to get an awareness? So I guess a nice little quick tip there. Um, but it is a little more difficult to do it downhill and to figure out that percent. Um, even with Google Map, it's possible. You find some, if you if you have a road that's kind of constantly gradual downhill, uphill, whatever elevation change, you can, in Google Map, you can set two dots on the map, right? And then you, you put the start and end of the two points you get a difference in the elevation, you get a distance. So you use that, you use the elevation change divided by the distance that give you the percentage. It's a very rough estimation, but it's pretty close, especially for the hills that's not like crazy uphill or downhill. Man, you just gave me like a flashback to like, you know, uh, physics, like 110 or something, when we used to have to calculate like velocity and like the car is stopping like 50 feet from from the light going at this speed, calculate the velocity. And man, I just got like a flashback there. <laughs> Not, I don't want to get it too overwhelming. It just, right. you, you, put, you pick two points in Google map, Garmin Connect, it gives you the distance. It gives you the elevation change divide the the first the, the chain elevation change by the distance and that's it not too hard right yeah and the main the main take-home message here is start gradual even if you wanted to roughly calculate what in your mind feels like a small decline mm-hmm. or a mild right downhill then that's where you start, right? Don't start at the moderate or the severe downhill or steep downhill. Uh, really what you're talking about is progressing and in thinking, you know, around four, you could start 2%, but two, four, 6%, mm-hmm. you're not recommending 8% starting there, right? Start slow and a, a minor decline before you go to the, the major declines is, is the take-home point here, right? Yes. The other thing right. I want to add is terrain too. To start with, you want to go with some easy flat surface. 
I know a lot of trail runners going running downhills, practice downhills. It can be technical. So if you want to start doing downhill on the trail or on a road that's uneven, you want to find a road that's more even, and there's not a lot of potholes on the on the ground or on the trail with a lot of rules and make it less technical. Start with the easiest one, so you don't have to worry that much about the have a step on something and then fall that would be the last least thing we want to uh, the last thing we want to so you want to start with stable surface you're going to have stable stable surface surface before you go to the uneven surfaces um, because you're already adding in a factor and and really bringing up you know a common um, injury on unstable surfaces is like rolling your ankle or getting an ankle sprain and Mm -hmm. because you are running um, downhill, it is going to force your ankle to be in what we call more of a plantar flex position, which is in a more unstable position of your foot. Um, so it gives you more risk at spraining your ankle. And if now the the terrain is unstable, so now you land with that foot on the outside, let's say, then you're going to be more likely because the position of the ankle and plantar flexion to roll that ankle. So yeah. from my PT brain, I, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Um, so besides kind of um, starting slow, mm-hmm. small duration, lower uh, amount of decline. <laughs> I know it's like that double negative thing. Um, so starting with a small percentage of downhill. I hope you are enjoying this episode and it is providing value for you. I wanted to take a brief moment to share a story of a real runner like you who is struggling with a common problem that you may be facing. Here is one of our athletes who got the guidance, support, and accountability from our Healthy Runner coaching team to get clarity and structure on the six steps to growing as a runner with personalized strength, nutrition, and run plans. I hope their story inspires you that there is hope to either get over your running injury or to continue getting faster or running longer so you can continue to get in those mental clearing miles and enjoy your running journey again. Here is their inspiring story. Hey everyone, my name is Lisa Maciel. I am from Tewksbury, Massachusetts. I just wanted to come on here and share my experience with the Spark Healthy Runner Program um, and share a little bit about my journey. So I've been a runner for just over 39 years now. Um, I know it's it's crazy, I, I especially since I'm only 29. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I'm 53. Um, but I just ran my 27th marathon two weeks ago and was able to be fortunate enough to grab my 18th BQ, uh, Boston qualifier. But let me tell you, this journey was definitely different than um, prior marathons. It wasn't easy. Um, it took me almost two years to get back to a marathon starting line because of recent injuries. Um, before my last marathon was October of 21 when I ran the Boston Marathon. I sustained some tendon damage in my in my foot for that. Last summer, I was on a run. I broke my fifth metatarsal in my left foot, so I broke that foot. Um, and I was already qualified to run Boston for this year. Two weeks before that marathon, I unfortunately pulled a hamstring, high hamstring um, strain two weeks before. 
so I had to shut everything down and made that painful decision to pull out of Boston that weekend before. So that is when I started my journey to search for, for search for Dwayne. So that that latest injury had me doing a Google search on high hamstring strain and somehow landed upon a video that uh, Dwayne had shared with someone with a similar injury. So I immediately reached out and we got to work. I was impressed right out of the gate, I will say, with his knowledge starting a running, um, starting with a running gait analysis as well as a movement assessment. These were two things, simple things, but were never done on me before. Over the years, I've seen PTs over the years that have never um, suggested really looking at things like that in the in the depth that he did. You know, being in Massachusetts, him in Connecticut it really had no impact on the success I had because everything was done, you know, virtually. He was able to do all of that virtually. And no one had ever done that before, even the local PTs I worked with. So I will say that was really key to finding out what needed to be done. And my body is definitely unique as Dwayne can attest to. I won't get into the details, but I definitely have a very unique uh, body. He identified, you know, problem areas. And in, like I said, we got to work uh, both with the running schedule and strength training. So I can easily say that the Healthy Runner Spark program is not a cookie cutter program like many you see online. Just with running shoes, one pair will not work for everybody. You may be, you know, you may be doing strength specific work, which is great. I, I definitely um, I'm a fan of, of doing that. But you may what you're missing, it could be the runner specific exercises. And that I know is what uh, one of the missing pieces that I wasn't doing. And so I'll be definitely continuing those for years to come. So our goal was to get that hamstring healed healed up so I could get to the starting line by September 10th. That was the last day to qualify for Boston um, for 24 for next year. So I literally picked the last weekend. So it was a little stressful knowing that I, I didn't have much time and that was gonna be the last weekend I hit my last chance really. So over the course of the 16 week program that I signed up with, um, while I had another issue pop up along the way, we adjusted my plan and we continued on that path. So you know with me i know that this particular journey it wasn't going to be chasing that pr it was gonna the number one goal was getting to that starting line healthy which is what he helped me accomplish and then i was able to get that bq and um i know it's something sometimes you just need to celebrate getting to the starting line and it was a long two years for me but i my best advice is you know don't give up um you know there are better things around the corner and and i know it's cliche but every setback leads to a comeback but it is true um sometimes it can be longer than others so there there are worse things in life um that can happen to you that you know and and not you know showing up at a race can be can be one thing but in the grand scheme of things there there's you know more important things in life but running is important to me and it's important to many people so um this was something this program that i was blessed to be a part of i'm glad i stumbled across him on on google and i can't say enough about the spark program uh, Dwayne and his team provide amazing support he made himself available to answer all my questions and any concerns I had, I can't recommend this program enough. So um, good luck to everybody else on their uh, journey of running. I hope sharing that story inspired you and provided you some hope. 
If you want the one-on-one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team of experts, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our signature coaching program you just heard about, including other stories from runners who are just like you and were struggling with the same sticking points before they signed up for our program. Just head to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more and book your strategy call with me today. Now let's get back into this episode. Um, what other tips for training do you have for running uh, downhill? Our favorite one, strength training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> strength training. Okay. Why? Why is strength training important? Like, wh- why would you say it is? Like, we know it's important for all runners. Let's just you know put it out there. If you haven't heard us talk about it before, mm-hmm. it is. Another one of the steps to how we grow as a runner. I feel like we're going to talk about all the steps today, right? We're going to somehow get nutrition into this conversation. <laughs> um, so it is one of the steps in how we grow as a runner is uh, strength training to get our body resilient. Why is it that much more important um, for downhill running? Because when you're going downhill, the muscle, especially the quad, are going on the eccentric phase which is easier to get torn and that's you may hear a lot of people complain about that quads are firing when going a lot of downhill that's what it is eccentric phase is when the muscle fibers are elongated to control to stop the force so it's easier so you are literally literally toning the muscle because it's elongated and that's that's why you want to strength training. You want to do focus on eccentric phase of any exercises related to quads. For example, squat. You focus on squat squatting down slowly, 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 slowly with control, and then quickly bounce up. So that's one example: eccentric phase. I love it. So we're focusing on what some people might call like negatives, right? So they're taking two to five seconds to lower in like a single leg squat, for instance. um, Mm -hmm. And then they're coming up with a quick explosive concentric phase. Love it. So what you're alluding to, Lou, is that you're taking downhill, looking at Mm -hmm. the demands that it has on the body. And now you're applying what we call specificity of training to your strength training for running. And you're saying, you know what, because my race is a lot of downhill, I need Mm -hmm. to make sure that when I am doing my squats in the gym, when I'm doing my single leg squat, I need to actually focus on doing a good eccentric contraction and control that I'm not going to go down fast and come up fast. I I, want to actually teach my muscles how to withstand the force Mm -hmm. that it takes to control the movement, because think about it, when you're going downhill, it's your muscles, primarily the quads, are going to be the main muscle that's controlling how many degrees your knee comes over your ankle, because that is essentially the position that's going to happen. And it's that patellar tendon, quad tendon, quad muscle, that is all going to be stressed with that. So it adds more stress and load to the tendon. And if Mm -hmm. you are a master's runner and you're in your forties, you're definitely more at risk for getting a tendon injury and a tendinopathy we call. Um, 
You could get an acute tendonitis if you just went out there and try to do some 15% uh, downhill running, right? Uh, then you'll get this inflammation around the tendon. But most folks will wind up getting this like slow ache and then it feels stiff. And then they have pain with um, squatting. They have pain with running downhill and they'll feel it like on, let's say, the quad tendon at the lower mm -hmm. part of the quad muscle. So now we need to prevent that by strength training and yes. to strengthen that structure. So then when that structure goes under the demands of downhill running, it's been there mm -hmm. before. It's strong yeah. enough to withstand it. So it yes. doesn't get this pain, this tendinopathy, and you, you have a nice strong structure, strong tendon. Um, if I could add to this a couple of the techniques that I've really enjoyed and been implementing into my training in the last couple of years to prevent things like patellar tendonitis, quad tendinopathy, um, and this would be if you're not having pain, by the way. So those of you who are like, whoa, I heard him say patellar tendinopathy, patellar tendon pain. I, I have that. My knee hurts and I have pain there. This would not be for you right now unless you're under the guidance of someone who is applying the appropriate exercise and dosage for your specific pain. Um, but for prevention wise, and I think this is a um, thing many runners have always heard um, or many people who have strength trained is like, never have your knees go over your toes. And I've given that tip many times before. And I've given that tip for those who have patellofemoral pain because of the loading forces to the actual patella on the knee joint and the contact forces. But for those who might be more at risk for tendon pain and or they have the demands of downhill running, you actually, in strength training, want the knee to learn how to go over the ankle. And what we call is that tibial advancement in controlling it. One of the great variables that we can control and that I've been playing around with, honestly, for the last two or three years are wedges underneath your heels. And those who have really stiff ankles might have tried this um, in the gym. Maybe you put plates underneath your heels to give you more relative ankle mobility, which is a great technique. So to improve your squat form, let's say. So I've been utilizing those underneath my heels for squats to get more range of motion, but it also will take your knee and bring it over your ankle. So there's going to be more degrees that your knee goes over your ankle, mimicking essentially what's going to happen when you run downhill and mimicking the forces that are going to go to the patellar tendon and the quad muscle that you speak of, Lou. Um, and you have to do that gradually, progressive, right? All of that. But I've also love it for front step ups. I love mm -hmm. it for um, single leg squats, step downs. I love it with placing the ankle in that plantar flex position because it forces the knee to go over the ankle, forcing mm -hmm. more demand to the quad muscle, strengthening it. And then if uh -huh. you do it with a slow lower, like you mentioned, then it's like, boom, we're getting even more bang for our buck. We've now kind of position the knee where it's in a position that's going to put more force. And now we're controlling that. So the muscle is contracting eccentrically and I'm strengthening it. So I agree. Like all those are super, they need to be honestly integrated into that runner's strength training program. If they're going to be tackling downhill um, running, especially if it's like your first marathon that you're doing downhill, like you have to prepare the body for these demands. 
Wow, such great information. I learned a lot too. <laughs> yeah, and if you remind me, Lou, I will actually, because I have a bunch of videos actually with those um, wedges, um, mm -hmm. with doing those exercises I mentioned. I just haven't had time to uh, post them for like content wise. So I have the videos. If you remind me the week that this gets released, I'll make a little reel um, and show you what I'm talking about of what those exercises look like. Uh, that will help prepare the body for downhill running. Yeah, now I, you mentioned that I, yes, the wedges definitely simulate the um, the orientation of the, the the legs when you're going downhills. That's great. Yeah. So besides strength training, any other tips that you have for training for downhill running and how well, we do it? Still, kind of strength training, but also balance training. It's about Running is single legs, but it's even more so when you're going downhill because you are you are hitting the ground harder because you're falling too. And you want to do more, incorporate more single leg exercises, balance exercises, like one leg squat, single leg squat, um, single leg deadlift, and other things you have, like the airplane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Single leg exercises really, uh, really helpful. And like you said, even for the strength training, you want to do gradually increase too, not, not just boom everything together. Right. Yeah, I guess that's a good point too. Because we didn't kind of mention that like we're talking about adding these into training, but if someone's starting right now, right, we don't want you to throw all of these elements all at once. And if you are adding in for the first time ever doing some of these strength training exercises and the first time ever actually training to run downhill, you, mm -hmm. you have to start even more conservative. And I don't care if you're doing squats or front squats and you're used mm -hmm. to pushing, I don't know, 145 pounds, like 225, whatever it is, um, you're going to have to back the weights down, the resistance down. If now you're going to really focus on the lowering phase because you'll see like you'll, you will feel that delayed onset muscle soreness. You're going to get some doms, uh, as we call it. Um, if you try to add in too much all at once. Um, so good point too, with like blending, uh, the running yeah. and the progression you talked about earlier, but then also with the strength training, like you need to take all of that into consideration. Um, yeah. Perfect. Any last tips? Uh, other t another tip is people someone may ask a question what if i live on a hilly area so i there'll be uphill and downhill all the time anyway in that case you probably get some experience on running hills from in the first place but if you just move to a hilly place <laughs> then just run slow and i'll say you you can keep up the pace when you're running uphill to get some benefits. We have uphill running podcast. We can just refer back to that that episode. But then when you just if you move from flat to a hilly place, hilly place, you are rather I, I'll usually recommend when you, you actually go down slow. If you have to walk downhill, you can run uphills and go walk downhill before you start this downhill specific training. And then you get used to your neighborhood and you get get used to gradually, gradually, you can increase the pace going downhill. But that's even if you live in a hilly place, 
uh, and then you're gonna train for the race downhill race. It's different. You still want a dedicated dedicated sections for downhill training, even if you live on a hilly place because you just keep rolling, rolling. It's different from dedicated sections、mm. of downhill because as you do reps, each time you do it, you have an intention. And each time you do it, you have something go in your mind. You you pay attention to it. You learn. You, your body learn to form. Each time you do it, your body get used to it and improve, and so and so forth. It's different for consciously training for it rather than just rolling unconsciously. It helps, but it's different. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And you know, what is the? I know you like to refer to it as like. You need to almost give yourself like a little pep talk, right? Like before you're going out there, say you're you are tackling this quality. I use that air quotes there. The quality run of your week or your downhill focus run of your、mm-hmm. week. You know, like what's the the pep talk that you want your runners and your athletes to be thinking about? Start conservatively, and. Do not do not just go out and go hard all the time, and and enjoy it. Enjoy it. I love it. I love it. So, be patient. Progressively, progressively training for it, and enjoy it. Yeah, and and the body will adapt. That's the beautiful thing about the body, right? It will adapt and. Like you mentioned earlier, with practice, you will get better at it, right? So even if right now you think, "Oh, I suck at downhills," or you know, "I can never run downhills well," I, I do everything that Dwayne talked about before. I'm the one like slowing down at the race, and I'm trying to stop myself, and I feel like I'm losing time. Or you know what? I noticed my quads were killing me after that race; they were so sore. Maybe you spent too much time breaking, <laughs> right, during those downhills.、Um, But with some of these strategies that Lou talked about, like you will get better at it. You just need to be purposeful, right, and、um, do it with intention. And I guess、yes. that's like the biggest for me, the take home and like my little,、uh, you know, I'm going to say clinical pearl, my、uh, running pearl of wisdom is that you will improve over time, and just be patient and、um, be intentional. When you're、yes. running down hills now, as opposed to just like going with the flow and/or taking off and thinking, "Hey, this is easy. I'm going downhill." <laughs> right. Yes. Nice. So, if lastly, like you know, we close the show out here.、Uh, if we want to think about you know one misconception of downhill running, what would that be? We always say practice makes perfect, but when you're training for a downhill race, doesn't mean you you have to practice that every day. Is is still a is actually more impact than a uphill running or flat running, flat road running. So do not do a lot of downhill. Do do not overdo it. Do a few sections progressively and strength training, and you will do great. Believe in yourself. Don't get. Freak out and do a lot of love downhill. No, no, no! You're gonna kill yourself. You're gonna get injured. Don't do that. Don't、Got、overdo it. it. Don't overdo it. 
I love it. I love it. So just kind of summary, guys. Today we really uh, talked about like did an in-depth episode here on downhill running. And we <laughs> talked about like what was the difference between running downhill versus running flat. Um, we talked about, you know, what are the demands that it has on your body. We talked about, um, you know, those, those demands to the musculoskeletal system, how it's easier on the cardiovascular. So it feels easier, but there's actually more forces to your, your structures in your body. So that does increase the risk of injury a little bit. If you don't do all the things that Lou talked about and those things he talked about was like training properly and mm -hmm. proper progression. I heard, I heard, uh, strength training, specifically yes. eccentric strength training, especially the quad muscles, making sure you're doing some quad focused strengthening in your strength training routine. Um, don't overstride. You talked about form. I liked all of those form cues that you gave us in kind of staying relaxed, increasing your cadence, avoiding overstriding with the form. And yes. you really talked about like progression in terms of, you know, the percentage of elevation, the duration that you're duration. doing these downhill repeats, um, how often you do them in the week, only once a week. And then make sure you have a cutback week every couple of weeks in your yes. training. You're not doing 12 straight weeks of downhill focused running. Um, and then I, I love the kind of pep talk and the mindset piece of it in really being patient, being realistic, um, and have fun with it. Right. Yeah. It is something that we're always kind of growing and, and learning, um, from, and I, I guess probably the best resource, um, you know, if you are really focusing on a downhill race now, I would imagine it's probably the half marathon or the marathon distance um, that you're really like looking to like delve into downhill running. Um, and we do have a full marathon training guide for beginners and advanced runners with longevity in mind um, that we really get into all the different types of elements of how we do marathon training the right way, uh, whether you're a beginner or advanced. Um, Coach Lou has done many of those trainings within this guide. We have all the videos of those trainings on topics such as long runs, long runs with spice, um, how we do speed work, um, how we fuel our bodies for marathon training, getting that other bucket. And then the recovery, how we do marathon recovery, either during training or after your race. So you can get your download by just simply going to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash marathon to get all of that goodness um, for your marathon training. And if you really loved um, some of the things that Coach Lou talked about today, um, and you were like, you know what, this is a lot to think about. Like, you know what? I have a job. I have a family. I'm a busy person. I do not have the time to do all this research and implement this all myself and still guess and hope for the best outcome. Um, and you just want to like offload that off your plate so you don't have to worry about it. Like you can work with Coach Lou where he can actually guide you and structure this all out for you, how that progression looks like, do it the right way so you can avoid getting injured and being able to master downhill running within your training, um, within our Spark Healthy Runner coaching program. If you want to learn more about that and be able to hop on a call with me, see if you're a good fit to work with Coach Lou or anyone really on our team, you can just go to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching. Um, so yeah, Lou, man, this is awesome. Thank you so much. This was like kind of one of those really niche specific episodes that, you know, we had in the idea pile for a while. And I think the timing 
right mm-hmm. now with many runners training for, let's say, Boston, or mm-hmm. if they're training for a Rebel race is like perfect timing. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully this is really helping you guys who are listening to this right now. And you're going to be able to implement some of this into your training to get better at running down hills. And then lastly, if you are training for a spring race, be sure to check out the next episode. We already have it planned uh, where Coach Lou is going to really answer your um, race day tips and really your race day questions. So heading into the spring races, we're going to release that episode um, probably beginning of April. So stay tuned to that. It will be like great timing wise, whether you're running a half or a full um, this spring, I think this episode will be very, very helpful for you. Um, You know, make sure you get on our email list because we're going to actually pull our audience on uh, what are the race day questions that you want Coach Lou to answer. Um, So make sure you get on our uh, email list. You will see the links in the show notes to this or just go to sparkhealthyrunner.com. You can sign up and be able to add your input into uh, that episode. So I just love... Love all the content that you share, Lou. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to share it with our audience today. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to share and fill me, fill me in with any questions and I'm happy to answer. Yeah, and, and thank you guys for listening, honestly, to this episode. Hope you found value in it. And if you did, and you know someone who is running a downhill race and you think they would benefit from these tips, like just... Honestly, wherever you're listening to this, copy the link, share it to them, send a text to your friend and be like, hey, check this out. I listened to this. I learned these two things and I'm going to start implementing. I think things will be helpful for your Boston training, your rebel race. Uh, you know, they live in a hilly area. You just want to help a friend out. You know, they got a lot of hills uh, near their house. Um, I appreciate that. And as always, let's maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and let's just keep on running. Until next time. Bye. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner Podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our Six Steps to Growing as a Runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner.com. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash spark healthy runner. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner so you can maintain a strong mind, a strong body, and just keep running. Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.